0: A boom in English language learners in Rhode
1: Island schools. This population is growing. So this is who's going to be here. This is our workforce. Here we go. We'll cover the salt shaker, becomes a ketchup bottle.
2: Then, the life and times of a local magician. I get to see the looks
3: on children's faces when they see something that they cannot believe, like, wow, and their eyes light up and they just saw something that How did you? and they don't even know how to express it.
0: Good evening and welcome to Rhode Island PBS Weekly. I'm Michelle San Miguel. And I'm
2: Pamela Watts. We begin with a story about the fastest growing student population
0: in Rhode Island, English learners. They're also known as multilingual learners. They make up 14% of the student body and educators predict that number will only grow larger over the next several years but very few teachers in the state are trained to work with these children, and educators say the success of these students is vital for the state as a
1: whole. It's not your typical classroom. This is to practice,
0: Smiling Reyes works with multilingual learners in Providence at the Trinity Academy for the Performing Arts, a charter school known as TAPA.
1: Book. 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 Solamente lao.
0: Students like 17 year old Christian Lopez.
3: Active. Active.
0: Active. He moved to the United States from Guatemala last year. Learning English has been hard. Words, he says, are not often pronounced the way they look. I don't know how to say that. Excellent. 12 year old Angel Reynoso can relate. He left the Dominican Republic two years ago. When you came here, how much English were you speaking? Zero. I don't know how to say hi, good morning, and give me five. Both Angel and Christian attend Tapa, where Reyes has seen an increase in multilingual learners. She oversees the school's program. One in four students here is learning English. A lot of my students have
1: cousins that are coming to the school because they got good experience here. So I think it's becoming maybe like familiar with other people because of the support that they provided here.
0: And the charter school isn't alone. The number of English learners in Rhode Island has gone up by 76% over the last decade. The state's education commissioner, Angelica Infante Green, says there are more than 19,000 multilingual learners in Rhode Island.
1: We've seen growth in places like North Providence, um, Cumberland, places that don't traditionally get this population. Newport, most definitely. One of, the grow- uh, one of our districts that has the most growth. So it's an interesting dynamic for us as a state. What's driving that increase? We have a lot of families that have been here for a while now and they're bringing family members. We also have seen an influx in the last few years in terms of migrants coming over. So, and and also, uh, there's industry, there's work. Reyes works
0: closely with many children of migrants. She does pull some of them out of class to help them learn English, but she says it's only for about 15 minutes a day. Instead, most of her time is spent assisting non-native speakers as they're immersed in classes with fluent English speakers. When we
1: pull out a student for an hour or two just to focus on the English language, they're missing the Core content, which is science or humanities. So, if we keep pulling them out for those classes when you get the test, for example, or PSAT or something, they're missing that content already, so they're going to fail the test.
0: 14 year old Iverson Rivas left the Dominican Republic in 2020. He says when he began at TAPA, he felt behind compared to the majority of the students in his class.
2: Here,
0: before coming here, Iverson attended a public middle school in Providence. He says he had a teacher there who repeatedly yelled at him for not speaking English.
2: Así como, como
0: Commissioner Infante Green says experiences like the one Iverson had show the misconception that exists around how long it takes to learn another language.
1: That to me speaks to the training that we need to continue to do. It's not just on how to develop language development but also understanding how language is developed and you know really having
0: sensitivity training. Statewide, about 5% of public school teachers have the certification to work with multilingual learners, commonly referred to as MLL students. Why are there so few teachers qualified to work with
1: MLL students and how do you change that? Well, I think part of the challenge has been that there has been an influx from 2015. The numbers have grown exponentially. So I think we also have an older teaching force here Workforce. We have been incentivizing teachers by paying, primarily in Providence, giving them about $8,000 to go get their certificate in second language development. That's some of the things that we're doing, and also giving incentives, um, giving bonuses really making this a priority area. So what's nice here,
3: you use it, you stay here, and you give the definition here.
1: Michael
0: McQuigan teaches ethnic studies to middle school students at TAPA. Despite speaking little Spanish, he still translates his slide presentations to Spanish, the most prevalent home language of multilingual learners in Rhode Island.
3: It's never been an explicit requirement. I think TAPA, really encourages teachers whenever possible to do that. And they do have Spanish speaking staff. I've reached out to Spanish speaking staff numerous times with my slides and stuff like that, asking for help.
0: It's more work from a Quiggin, but he says it makes a difference.
3: They are smart kids. And if you were to teach them in their own language, they would be able to produce just as good a work as any English speaking kid do did. And I think as educators, we have to respect that. That means giving them content in their own language. I think it also means accepting content in their own language as a teacher.
0: Robbie Ahosh would like to see more teachers get certified to work with non-native English speakers. She sits on the state's Multilingual Learners Advisory Council and also teaches at the University of Rhode Island. She says there's a common question she's asked about teaching English learners. Do I need to
1: speak the language of the students? No you're teaching them English, so you don't necessarily have to speak. I mean, it will help to form a connection to learn a few words and phrases, right, in their native language.
0: By learning how language development works, Hosh says teachers can recognize cases where students need extra support. Everybody says math is a universal
1: language, but that's not so, right? We have word problems. So you are teaching the language of math. So essentially, every teacher is a teacher of multilingual learners. Hosh says
0: Rhode Island needs to do more to improve outcomes for English learners. She points to a report released by the Rhode Island Public Expenditure Council in October, which found Rhode Island still ranks well behind most other states in the country that provide funding for multilingual learners. For years, Rhode Island spent about $300 per student. It nearly quadrupled to about $1,200 this fiscal year, but still lags behind neighboring Massachusetts and Connecticut.
2: To this list, criminal.
0: Excellent, good job. These are difficult words, but you guys are doing a really good job. What's at stake if more money is not put into helping these students succeed?
1: Many of them are gonna fall through the cracks in education, especially at the older level, right? If we want to support students, MLLs, We need to have rigorous programming. We need to have alternative realistic pathways.
0: And Commissioner Infante Green says the news isn't all bleak. This past year, the General Assembly nearly quadrupled funding for multilingual learners from five million to $19.4 million. And she's requesting an additional $20 million in
1: funding for English learners. This is extremely important, especially when the population is declining across the state, our student population, this population is growing. So this is who's going to be here. This is, this is our workforce.
0: Infante Green is also encouraged by the latest results from the Rhode Island Comprehensive Assessment System. It showed students who exited a multilingual learner program in the past three years are performing better than the state as a whole in English language arts and they're neck and neck in math with the statewide
1: average. This population, and everyone needs to understand this that is hearing this, they tend to outperform everyone. When you know more than one language, you actually perform better. And we have data to show that. We weren't seeing that data in the past, but we're seeing it now. Still, when it comes
0: to native English speakers and English learners, scores show the majority are not proficient in English language arts or math. But even though the MLL students who had recently exited the program were doing better than the non-MLL students, neither population of students is really performing well. Would you agree with that?
1: Well, so I would say the MLLs, absolutely, because they are, their definition is that they don't have a complete grasp of the English language, right? So we don't expect that to be the case. Does the whole system have to move forward? Absolutely.
0: There are plenty of other challenges that remain for this growing student body. Many feel the stigma of not being fluent in English. Students like 13-year-old Sofia Perez Cuevas. She remembers an experience she had at a middle school in Providence before she came to the Trinity Academy for the Performing Arts. One guy told me that "Go go
3: back to your country. I was like, what the, that And that's why one of the reasons that I changed, because I, I changed because
0: I, I really like here. Discrimination is one of the many hurdles a number of English learners face. Some have to work to help their families make ends meet. Others don't know when or if they'll
1: see their loved ones again. I was at a school, a middle school, three weeks ago in Providence. And um, the kids were so excited because I was speaking to them in Spanish. They were just elated. And, you know, I asked the kids, well, what do you miss about home? And about four or five kids, I I have to tell you, broke my heart. And I'm talking about like 11 and 12 year olds. I said, I miss my mother, you know, and that's really hard. That's a real sacrifice for a family to make for their kid to be in a better environment. Raise your hand.
0: Christian Lopez says he's lost contact with his mom and several siblings in Guatemala. He lives in Providence with his dad. Buscar? Sí. Oh. He's focused on learning English, but admits it's a struggle. He doesn't have a computer, he spends a lot of time translating material on his phone. <laughs> TAPA's multilingual coordinator, Smiling Reyes, says it's important that educators be
1: patient. Learning a language is a skill that takes time. I tell my kids, never be ashamed of your accent, never be ashamed where you're coming from, and being bilingual is a skill. Our students can be very successful when they graduate from high school and they have both languages.
0: This week, we're debuting a new segment here at Rhode Island PBS Weekly called Weekly Insight. Several times a month, I'll be talking with WPRI 12 politics editor Ted Nisi about issues affecting viewers here in southern New England, ranging from politics to education. Our goal is to give you a comprehensive look at subjects that matter. As the Rhode Island legislature begins its 2024 session, Ted Nisi and I sat down earlier to talk about some of the big issues that we'll be watching closely this year. Ted, thank you so much for joining me for our first weekly insight segment. Yes. I'm looking forward to working with you. It's a new year, and of course, there are so many stories that we'll be following this year, ranging from healthcare to education. Of course, top of mind for people is the fact that we have a race for president.
4: Yeah, and Michelle, obviously, we're gonna wanna keep these conversations locally focused, but as you and I were thinking about the big stories for 2024, I just can't help but think that the presidential race is going to overshadow everything else at every level of the news ecosystem. Um, you have it looking very likely now that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. An unprecedented situation, he's facing indictments that are efforts to get him kicked off the ballot. Um, there's still the fallout from January 6th. And so I, I think we don't really know what a presidential race with those dynamics looks like. And I think it's going to, again, kind of overshadow everything else for the rest of the year.
0: And here in Rhode Island, we have several races. I think people will be surprised to learn that our junior congressman, Gabe Amo, is up for re-election in November.
4: Yeah, people are always surprised when you say that. But of course, he's he's filling out David Cicillini's Unexpired term, so he has to turn right around and start running again. Um, And Congressman Seth Magaziner, who only won in 2022, but's been kind of overshadowed by the hubbub around Cicilline leaving, he is up for re-election for the first time as well. So far, no competitors to either of them, which is kind of surprising since uh, they always say that a first re-election race is when a member of Congress is most vulnerable. Then U.S. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse uh, in Rhode Island, as well as U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren, they're both up for re-election. No major competitors to them yet. The White House. SOME REPUBLICANS LOOKING AT running for the nomination. And then locally, some big mayoral races I'm watching in Cranston. Mayor Hopkins could face a challenge from Barbara Ann Fenton-Fung, the state rep, who's of course the wife of the former Cranston mayor, Alan Fung, and then Winsocket with Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt resigning abruptly after that land deal scandal. So I think there's going to be a a lot of interesting races to watch.
0: And adding to those races at the state house, we have all the members of the General Assembly. That's 113 legislators are all up for re-election. Lawmakers are now now back in session. We really got a sense of what their priorities are going to be. Be for this coming year. We heard a lot about health care and the need to bring more primary care providers really to all parts of Rhode Island. We heard once again calls to reform the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights. We've been hearing that for several years, so we'll see if there's any traction on that. And then also the need to build more affordable housing and seeing what municipalities can do at the local level with zoning.
4: Well, and we know that is such a priority for House Speaker Joe Shikarchi, Michelle, uh, housing expansion, more production. He even called out local cities and towns, some of which are now trying to push back at the zoning changes he's pushed through saying, you know, we've got to stay strong. We've got to keep pushing for this. This is so important. So we know Shakarchi is going to keep talking about that. He's also going to keep pushing this expansion of whether you call them granny flats, in-laws apart, in-law apartments, ADUs, accessory dwelling units. But there's resistance to that in the Senate from Senate President Dominic Ruggiero. So I think that's going to be something where you see some some tension between the House and Senate in the coming months.
0: But both Shikarchi and Ruggiero stressed this year's budget will not look like previous years.
4: No, I, I think I don't know if people realize just how much the state budget has grown since the pandemic, Michelle. It's up over or Almost 50% since 2019, from just under $10 billion to over $14 billion. That's mostly because huge amounts of federal money have come in, COVID relief money and all of that. And so that made it easier for lawmakers to say yes to everybody. Yes, that new project can go. Yes, we'll invest in this. Yes, we'll up education funding. Clearly, they're trying to send a warning to rank and file lobbyists and advocates about this. Manage your expectations.
0: Exactly. This year, it's not going
4: to be the same this year. Exactly.
0: There are lots of big education stories that we're following. As I reported, we have seen tremendous growth in the number of multilingual learners in Rhode Island. Those are students who are learning English in Rhode Island schools. Consider these numbers. By 2030, they're projecting that one in two students in Providence public schools will be a multilingual learner, up from 36%, which is why the Education Commissioner Angelica Infante Green is asking the General Assembly for $20 million for these students. But of course, that could be a really tall order considering considering the budget restraints. Well, and that's
4: the question, Michelle. I mean, as people could hear in your piece, it, it, there's widespread agreement that Rhode Island needs to see better outcomes for multilingual learners in the schools. But to actually get that $20 million that the commissioner wants, there are people seeking that kind of money for Medicaid rate increases. RIPTA is facing a funding cliff. There are calls for more tax cuts in Rhode Island. So I think the question for me is not whether they'll be buy into the idea of doing more for multilingual learners but will the governor as well as the education commissioner prioritize that money in those final budget talks when the rubber meets the road in may and june over other parties and if it means other things don't get funded that remains to be seen
0: right there are so many other competing interests
4: yes and it's going to be a very different budget year
0: thank you so much for joining me ted
4: good to be here
2: and finally for nearly 50 years Lon sorrell has been entertaining rhode islanders Children enjoy his balloon animals and illusions. Adults, his mind-reading act. They say magicians never reveal their secrets. But tonight, as part of our continuing My Take series, we get a behind-the-scenes look at Sorrell's Bag of Tricks. Here we go.
3: We'll cover the salt shaker, it becomes a ketchup bottle. Cover the ketchup bottle, it becomes salt shaker. But to do that, when you're doing magic that's visual, it's like the silent movies. If it happened, it speaks for itself. My name is Lon Sorel, and this is my take on magic. I am a full-time Rhode Island-based entertainer, general practitioner of the art of magic, and have been doing it since I was nine years old. I think the first magician we all get introduced to this is Harry Houdini. Back in 1926, the last time Houdini appeared in Providence, he was performing at the Providence Opera House. And Houdini, in order to promote his appearances, would hang upside down by his ankles, and wriggle out of a straitjacket. He would attract hundreds if not thousands of people. I felt that it was a rite of passage that I needed to do something similar. So in 1976, I was elevated by a Providence hook and ladder truck to 200 feet over the Providence River, dangling by a rope, put in a straitjacket by Providence State Police, and wriggled out a straitjacket, freeing myself 50 years almost later to the day when Houdini performed it in Providence.
2: When
3: magic is popular on, on a national or international level, that propels my career or certainly that gives my career um, a solid place to stand. Doug Henning, the magician, became very famous and, and as soon as Doug Henning moved on, a kid by the name of David Copperfield appeared. And David Copperfield lifted magic up and became an international and national sensation with. 10, 12 TV specials, and that made magic relevant. And then there was Sid Fried and Roy in, in Las Vegas. And now, bring it, moving it forward, America's Got Talent. Can you
4: confirm? Is that your signature? It is.
3: <laughs> Will you flip that arm for me? Are you kidding me? Is that oh! your card? Thank you very much. That keeps magic relevant in people's minds. They'll think, why don't we do a magician? I don't have lions and tigers, but I have a very cute rabbit who's very self-centered, and it's actually his show. In 1971, Henny Youngman, the king of the one-liners.
2: How are you all? I'm glad to be here. Take my wife, please.
3: <laughs> Henny Youngman was a master of ceremonies at a magician's conference. So I went, went up with a few other people, and met Henny Youngman, and he must have seen something in my eyes or my enthusiasm. He said, keep in touch. I kept in touch. When I graduated Providence College in 1978, he said, well, why don't you come down to Manhattan? And for seven years, I was opening act for Henny Youngman, King of the One-Liners. And I was this 18, 20-year-old kid. I found myself in surrounded by a who's who of show business legends and icons. Back then I was a star-struck kid. Okay, I'm 67, I'm still a starstruck kid. I never got over it. I think it's a mistake every kid going into magic does. You try to be something other than yourself. I was extremely nerdy, geeky, introverted growing up. And I use magic as a way to uh, express myself. I started off, I was trying to be the suave guy with producing doves from nowhere to beautiful music and it was so not me. I think eventually you realize that the closer you're true to your own self, the more honest you can be with your audience and the more the audience is going to um, accept you. here we are 47 years later, I've never had any other job. My name is Lon Sorrell and this was my take on magic.
0: That's remarkable that he's been able to make a career out of this. With nothing up his sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our broadcast this evening. Thank you for joining us. I'm Michelle San Miguel, and I'm Pamela Watts. We'll be back next week with another edition
2: of Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Until then, please follow us on Facebook and X or visit us online to see all of our stories and past episodes at ripbs.org/weekly or listen to our podcast on your favorite streaming platform. Good night.